At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, it's Jobs Friday. The U.S. economy added 187,000 jobs. The unemployment rate jumped to 3.8%. Could higher unemployment cool down the Fed's red-hot rate hike streak? Our panel of experts, including our reporters Rick Santelli and Steve Leisman, plus formerly the chief economist for President Obama, Betsy Stevenson. I'm sort of surprised by the overall top line number. What the Labor Department's data means for you in the real world. If you lost your job, you practically had another job on your way out the door before you collected the boxes. It's Friday, September 1st, 2023, and this Jobs Day Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market site here in Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee along with Scott Wapner. Joe, Becky, and Andrew are off today, but we are here and glad to be here with you this morning. Right, Scott? Absolutely, Melissa. <laughs> All right. Let's take a are check you convincing in. yourself of that? No, or? I'm convincing us, <laughs> you, me, America. We're just a few minutes away from the government's August employment report ahead of the number. Let's bring in our jobs panel. Andrew Ulmem is the former deputy assistant to President Trump and deputy director of the National Economic Council and current partner at the law firm Meyer Brown. Betsy Stevenson is a former member of the Council of Economic Advisors, former chief economist at the Labor Department under President Obama, and is now a professor of economics and of public policy at the University of Michigan. Sarah Malik is a chief investment officer for Nuveen. Our own Steve Leisman and Rick Santelli, of course, are here uh, for the numbers, as they always are uh, at this time of the month. Uh, so, Steve, what do we expect? We're just sort of discussing. Yeah, um, a looser number, mm-hmm. uh, third month in a row. It's supposed to be under 200,000. That had happened in 2019. Um, un- unchanged unemployment rate, I think there might be some give there. If indeed the market, the labor market is tightening or is loosening up, um, what you would expect is people to spend a little more time on the unemployment line, not get jobs so quickly. So we might be entering a period of running with a higher unemployment rate, and that might be something. And we're also uh, talking about the idea of this. The market, if it is really a weak number, could start to think about this idea, is the Fed really done? It hasn't quite given up that idea that there could be a hike in November. The Fed doesn't want you to think they're done. But if it's a weak enough number, that trade of the Fed is already done done might get a little more strength. Andrew, what do you think? I mean, do you think that the, that the Fed could actually be almost done but not want the markets to think that they are almost done? It's sort of like a mind yeah. twister here. Yeah, I think pa- Chair Powell was very clear at his, uh, at the, in his Jackson Hole speech that he is committed to getting to the 2% target and is not going to take additional rate increases off uh, the table until he hits that target. Zara, what do the markets want to hear? Because I agree with Steve, if it shows like if they're a little weaker, I feel like we're going to run, but it's almost going to be like a head fake. I think the markets want to straight down the fairway number. Our estimate is 150,000 on payrolls for three reasons, softer demand, jolts numbers and strikes. Hollywood strikes also jolts numbers have been down six of the past seven months and are at their worst level in two years. That number's positive for the markets. I think it solidifies a Fed pause 
in September, and if inflation doesn't pick up, it probably means the Fed is done, and markets tend to rally after a Fed pause. Yeah, I mean, we were, Steve, we were just discussing uh, the impact of the strikes and not having a clean number, um, and I think that's sort of an interesting dynamic in terms of how the market perceives what this number is. Yeah, I mean, this is why you look at the number, you look at the details, you, you, you don't say, oh, the top line number is the only number that matters. I think that's more true of the unemployment rate number, but the established number, the, the, the payroll number, is when you're going to want to look through. There's going to be a bunch of noise into that number. All right, here it is. August jobs report. Rick Santali has got it. Rick. Yes, the jobs report for the month of August. Non-farm payrolls up a slightly better 187,000. That marks one, two, three, under 200,000. However, the last two months are seeing a revision of three digits, minus 110,000. And we know that there has been benchmark revisions. If we look at the manufacturing payrolls, they were rather strong for a sector that's supposedly in recession, up 16,000. The unemployment rate jumped to 3.8%. 3.8%. In order to find a higher, well, you go to February 22, we're at 3.8. January of 22, 4.0. That's where we're comping on that. And you can see yields falling, stocks liking that. If we look at uh, the hours worked, and this is key, up two tenths, up two tenths. This is very significant. If you look at two tenths, it is the lowest level since we were at zero. That was February of 22. So that shows some improvement if you're looking for wages, which due to strikes and other issues seemingly are one of the pushing uh, channels of inflation. If you look at year over year, 4.3, that's versus 4.4 uh, the last two months, 4.3 is the recent low. To find anything lower than 4.3, you have to go all the way back to June of 21. Average hours worked, 34.4. Uh, that's a, a little more than expected, but it shouldn't really be a surprise. And finally, labor force participation rate. Now, this is really interesting. It was 62.6%. Pre-COVID, that was March of 2020, and we've had uh, a lot of months, uh, one, two, three, four, five months at 62.6. 62.8 is stellar, and that is the highest level since pre-COVID when it was 63.3, uh, and that was February of 2020. So we could see a marked improvement there. And the underemployment rate, I like to monitor this, like U6 is what it's called versus U3, which is the normal unemployment rate we pay attention to. But the similarities are striking. It moved from 6.7 all the way up to 7.1%. That's the highest level since February of 22. That comp has come out several times. We see that yields have moved down at 4.06 and tens. We are now down 18 for the week, 18 basis points for the week. And two-year, last Friday, had its one of its high cycle closes. The first time it closed above its March 5.07, it closed at 5.08. So at 4.77, it's down about 33.0 basis points on the week. I think that's a good place to leave it. I want to bring up one point, though. Quits that was in the JOLTS report this week 
was also at pre-COVID levels. When you put that together with the drop in jolts in today's report, it really does start to paint a picture. Melissa Lee and the panel, back to you. Rick Santelli and the reaction, the market's very clear right now. As Rick had mentioned, we see 10-year yields uh, giving up some of their uh, ground from this morning, 406, and that's really helping the tech trade as we see the NASDAQ really benefiting from that pullback in the 10-year yield. Let's get back to our panel here with more on this. Uh, Steve, you're saying big, fabulous number. I think that's for some Boy, I up. hate to say it that way because the unemployment rate did go up and you don't right. want to see that. But I think that's okay if the job market remains healthy, not necessarily as strong, because you would expect there to be a little bit of time to the churn, right? What's been happening is if you lost your job, it's like you practically had another job on your way out the door before you collected the boxes, you know, put your stuff in the boxes. Now, maybe there's a little bit more time here. I'm looking at the duration of unemployment. that did increase in certain sections right there. Um, you have this entrance into the workforce. I, I want to give you that number because that's a big, healthy number that's not necessarily polluted by a, a revision or anything like that. Um, the labor force was up by 736,000 people coming into the workforce. More of them, or, and the participation rate ticking up, that's a good number. I'm pretty sure we took out the pre-2019 high, so that's a good number. Um, and, and, you know, 187, even with the revisions, which is, by the way, that's the trend, so you want to be a little careful, that's a healthy number for a regular time period. Remember, only 75 to 100,000 of the demographic growth, but we are bringing people into the workforce. Wages came down. That's good for the Fed, not necessarily for the people working. But in terms of the, the, what the stock market might have wanted, I think this pretty much, you know, rings the bell, so to speak. And just real quickly, just so you know, Andrew, very quietly in your introduction, he's responsible for a lot of the people who are on the Fed right now in his former job. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, good to see you again, Steve. Good to see you, Andrew. Hey, Betsy, let, let me get you into the conversation. Um, what's your initial reaction? Is this just what the doctor ordered? You know, if you look at that tick up in the unemployment rate, I can see why a lot of people are sort of cheering that. Maybe it's an indication that the labor market's slowing. But I think that's the wrong interpretation. Actually, employment in the household survey grew. So the employment to population ratio is the same. But if you look at the underlying numbers, there was an increase in the number of people employed, about 200,000. So what's going on? It was just a surge into the labor force. That increase in labor force participation, I mean, that's really what the Fed wants to see because that's, that's the best way to get a little bit more slack into the labor market, have the labor market less tight is when there's lots of people looking for work. Um, and so I think that that's a really cheery sign. I have to tell you, I'm sort of surprised by the overall top line number. And the reason is, is in the last 10 years, August has always been understated in that first report. So I don't know what to think. Is this going to be the 11th year in a row in which it's understated and therefore the revision is going to be up next month? Uh, or are we finally getting a clean read on, can, on August? I, but this Betsy, was a I'm stronger gonna, number than I expected. I'm going to weigh in real quick on that, Betsy, which is um, there were only 8,000 additions to the government side, and there was an expectation it was going to be larger because there were fewer fires in July. And I don't see yet how the, fire, the, the, the strike and or uh, the yellow bankruptcy has worked into this yet. I'm going to take a look at that now. Speaking of, Steve, um, the revisions lower, 110,000 prior um, how would you sort of assess that? And why don't you answer the question, too, whether you think this is just what the doctor, I don't know, Jay Powell, he doesn't have a Ph.D., I don't think, but is this just what the doctor ordered? Well, look, they want to see some softening in the labor market. They think a 3.5% employment rate is too, um, uh, is too tight. And um, 
I, I kind of agree and disagree with Betsy. I think if you a little bit higher unemployment rate suggests a little bit less tightness in the job market because, you know. Well, the uh, jolts suggested that, too. Yeah, it suggested that, too. And I think that's OK. Look, everybody lives with the fear that once you start going down, you keep going down through normal levels. But you got to get down to kind of get get to that place where, you, where that can really start to happen. So. Um, I think 187 is a very healthy number. I think they may have missed some government unemployment, which is always ironic to me that the government misses government unemployment, but uh, and that they come back and revise that later. But the revisions tell you in the direction of the trend, it's seven out of seven months, I want to say, or eight out of eight months this year that we've revised downward. Well, it doesn't do anything, I would think, Rick Santelli, to say that uh, September is all of a sudden a live meeting again, right? Well, you know, I was disturbed by some of yesterday's inflation numbers, even though they were poo-pooed by most. I think that the Fed really does want to be done. And there's a couple of issues that I think they ought to pay really close attention to. Uh, We could call this Goldilocks. We could call it peace porridge perfect. But to me, there's no way around that it's weakening. We were more than double the job creation in January, if I recall, 472,000. Multiply 187 by two and you still don't get up there. The deterioration is large. The significantly large revisions make me nervous. It really uh, it distorts the kind of view that we have and how much we've slowed over the last several plus months. Uh, I do think that the earnings is something to pay attention to. And people coming back in the workforce, you know, very good. And, and it's all these one-offs. It's different this time. Big article in the journal today about temporary workers falling and how this time it's different. It's a good thing. All of these things, to me, are a slowing. And the hump on this is, is that the reason all this is going on and the reason the Fed likes it is because their models say that this needs to happen to see inflation move lower. The problem is there's so many seasonal issues and assumptions in these models that by the time the smoke clears, we might not describe this in another seven to ten months as Goldilocks. We might describe it as the midpoint of the ski slope that we are now on on some of the metrics involved in the labor market. Let me interject very quickly. Okay. Uh, the market has, is dialing out September, down from 11% to 7%. In November? Dialing out a little bit more in November. It had been at 42%. Now it's down at, fresh quote here, 33%. So why, why, why would they look at the events of this week and suggest that they need to do much more, if, if, any, if any more? No, it's less. That's what they're. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm right. saying. No, you like, would, you it's a rhetorical right. question, yeah. but it's like the the Bostic play. It's like you can't look between. If it was, you know, looking at the PCE, if you look at this, yeah, they can only have one reaction coming out of this. Okay. But the question is, for in terms of the reaction that we're seeing pre-market, at least with the gain strengthening in futures, how long will this last? I mean, isn't it, Sarah? Isn't it? Buy the rumors, sell the news. I mean, if we we know now that the Fed is closer to the end or at the end, or we believe that, then don't you think you lock in gains? Because the rest of it is going to be a little bit, uh, you know, iffier in terms of the road and, and you know, just in readings and, and what the Fed does, what the Fed messages. Well, Rick brought up a good point, though, with all the numbers of this week. Yesterday's inflation number did have pretty strong services inflation, and that is probably an issue for the Fed under the hood. But I agree to price out more rate hikes for the rest of this year. I think this number solidifies that the Fed likely doesn't raise in September, not likely in November either. There is one more data point we'll see that's important for the FOMC and that's CPI. 
that'll be the next uh, data point before we get to earnings. So I, you look at markets, though, when the Fed tends to pause, they tend to rally. It's good for equities and fixed income with yields rolling over. I think technology stocks will continue to lead the way. They're going to be the beneficiaries of lower inflation, lower interest rates, and also artificial intelligence. We saw that with Broadcom yesterday, which came out and raised their AI guidance. Yet another tech stock showing that artificial intelligence is is a real driver of their business. Um, and it puts to rest the questions around Broadcom for the skeptics who thought maybe it wasn't an AI play. Obviously, it is. So I think markets, you know, the, the uh, easiest trade right now is continued upside until we see more evidence of a recession. And these numbers are slowing, but they're not showing a recession. Let, let's also, Sarah, not forget that, you know, where positioning is, not everybody's been on this train. And as you get closer towards the end of the year, that chase for performance is one thing that says, no, you don't take profits here. You get on the train or you risk the train going further and you're standing at the station with your briefcase wondering where all the action went. That's a great point. Active Fofo. managers have had a very tough time beating the benchmark this year because it's been a very narrow trade of a handful of tech stocks. I think you're right. There could be a lot of FOMO, not only for active managers, but clients have a lot of cash on the sidelines. Up to 25% of their portfolios are still sitting in cash and they're wondering, how do I get back into this market? Because my T-bills are not paying, you know, from an opportunity cost, T-bills are not paying what the markets are paying you in terms of return. So that money could come back into the market in the fourth quarter. Andrew, let me, let me ask you this question. When you look at the Federal Reserve and how they're thinking about uh, the dynamic of inflation versus growth here, um, how do you think they let this play out? Do they, do they take another look at this in November and kind of take September off? Is that your expectation? Yeah, that's my expectation now. I think the inflation numbers are the most important because that's what, again, Chair Powell is very focused on. He wants to get back to that 2% target. He can't be any clearer about that. And until uh, inflation hits it, I think he's not going to take uh, additional rate increases off the table, and nor should, sh sh uh, should he. You know, there's, there's no substitute for victory, Steve. Betsy, real quick, give me, give me your overall assessment here before we go uh, of the job market right now. Would you say it's still healthy, or do you worry about the, uh, the ski slope that Rick is on, which I really can't imagine Rick wearing goggles and a, and a hat and, <laughs> uh, and mittens and everything going down the mountain? I think the, the job market is still quite strong. I, I personally am very cheered that we're seeing people continue to come into the labor market. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that it was women who came in more than men. We're just seeing, you know, unprecedented high late female labor force participation. Um, and that's making the Fed's job so much easier because the more people come in, the more the labor market can expand and mean that wages are not a source of inflation. But I, I just want to get in one thing, which is Powell, Chair Powell really emphasized at Jackson Hole that he's paying attention to this really strong consumer spending. And I think the data that has me worried, not today's labor market data, that says to me, pause, pause, pause. Uh, but it was that strong consumer spending data that continues to suggest that consumers are out there using their dollars. Nah, Betsy, driving up Betsy prices. don't, don't worry about it because dropped, don't worry about it dropped. Taylor Swift isn't touring in, in August, so it's okay. Not going to be any more consumer spending. <laughs> All right, you're going to leave it there, guys. Thank you so much to our jobs panel, Andrew, Betsy, Sarah, Steve, and Rick. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. That's Squawk Pod today, the first Friday in September. Thanks for spending summer's waning days with us. Please check out all of our great podcasts from August, like the episode with Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio's TikTok Datager, or the one with the AI researcher who figured out that technology can listen to us type our passwords and then crack them. And even this week's crypto interview with the Grayscale CEO the morning after his victory over the SEC. It's a lot of good stuff on Squawk Pod this month. Scroll down in your feed to find all of our episodes. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC starting at 6 Eastern and lasting all the way until 9. For the highlights from that broadcast, follow us here on Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We're off on Monday for the Labor Day holiday. Enjoy your long weekend, and we'll meet you right back here on Tuesday. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.